Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where we get into people's heads and find out how their choices in life has affected them. My name is Leslie Fear. I'm your host. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Carrie Chuff, and she is actually a former nun. Her stories came across my For You page. And guys, I tell you what, I am so intrigued by her journey. So Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I got to ask, what started this whole thing? I know just from watching your videos, because I literally stalked you. uh, (laughs) um, I know you really felt pulled to be a Catholic nun. And I know it's actually different than that. You call it something different than that. It's a type of Catholic nun. But I know you felt pulled to it probably like in high school, maybe. So I'll just let you kind of tell me the story and I'll just join in and let you keep going. Okay, great. Um, So I grew up in a Catholic family. They weren't very religious per se. You know, we would go to church on Sundays sometimes. Um, I did go to a Catholic school, but it's not like, you know, I, I was Catholic in identity, but it's not like it was, you know, super religious or super devout or anything like that. Okay. So, you know, I lived my life as normal up until about seventh and eighth grade. And I had a teacher who just really opened my eyes to. Um, just the beauties of the Catholic faith. And that's kind of when I had like a reconversion and really started to take my faith more seriously. And it was at that point in time that I thought, I I realized that some people give their lives to God as consecrated religious, like a nun or a monk. And so I thought, I want to do that. (laughs) You know, I was so in love with God and I really thought, you know, I want to give my life to him like that. I mean, we were taught by some religious sisters, but um, they didn't wear habit and it just didn't seem like, I mean, they were older. So it seemed like it was kind of something that was dying out. So I didn't really know that it was something that people still did. I thought it was kind of something that people used to do, but they don't really do it anymore. So I was so um, happy and surprised to learn that, no, this is still something that people do. So that's when I decided I wanted to pursue it. Right. And I was, you know, very young. I was 13 years old at the time. Yeah, that is young. And <laughs> that's, really young. Yeah, that's really young to know. Yeah. So it was at that time, um, you know, I was going into high school and I, you know, I had made friends, you know, took my classes, everything. And I was very torn during my high school years because part of me really wanted to be a mom or, you know, a wife or, you know, go pursue other things. But part of me still really wanted to give my life to God as a religious. Right. And so all through high school, you know, this was always in the back of my mind. You know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then finally, in my junior year of high school, that's when I, it was pretty cemented in my mind. No, I want to do this. I really want to give my life to God and I'm going to pursue this. Right. So I wrote to a bunch of different communities. Um, at first, I thought that I wanted to be a cloistered nun. And that's kind of the difference that you had mentioned earlier. There are two types of women religious in the Catholic Church. There is, you know, a nun, which is someone who lives in a cloister, which is, you know, they don't ever leave the monastery unless there's an emergency of some kind. Whereas a religious sister is a consecrated religious, so she's giving her life to God, but they also have an active apostolate outside of the convent. So, you know, these are like teaching sisters or nursing sisters or mostly like the sisters that people are used to seeing because, you know, they're out in the world, so people right. see them more frequently. Okay. So originally I wanted to be a cloistered nun. 
But I talked to a priest who was kind of advising me, like my spiritual advisor. And he was like, well, you know, why don't, why don't you at least look at some active communities? And at first I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. But then I did. And I realized, you know, I think this is where I should go instead. So I found a smaller community of sisters um, in the Deep South, mm-hmm. and I visited them. And I really just I, I fell in love with their community. Um, it felt like a family. And I thought, you know, it seemed like, you know, they needed sisters. So I thought this was the perfect fit for me. And so what two months after my high school graduation, I went down to the Deep South and entered the convent. Wow. So that's kind of the story in a nutshell. Yeah. You know, I got to say, it's a big deal, though, Carrie, to just give up your entire life, though. And and then you are kind of divided between you and your, your convent and you and your family. Like you're yeah. you're not you're not yeah. able to write. So and I'm using the wrong word for this, but it's almost like and this is the wrong word. It's almost like a cult, right? I mean, I mean. <laughs> no, I can understand. I can understand what, and, and I mean, there are so many facets to this conversation. I mean, I, we, I could, I could talk for hours and hours about, right. you know, all the different facets. Not every religious community is the same. Okay. Every religious community is a little bit different in the way they do things. Some are more strict. Some are more lenient. Some communities of sisters wear the habit, which is like the uniform that sisters wear that, you know, most people picture on TV and movies. You know, that's called the habit. That's, you know, some sisters wear that. Other sisters don't actually wear a habit. They wear lay clothes. So there's a really wide variation of differences between different communities. Well, let me ask you something, okay? Let me ask you. So when you went into this sequestered kind of lifestyle, um, okay, and I know you're, you know, you give your life to God. I, I understand that. And I absolutely have all respect in the world for anyone who wants to do that. That's not where I'm going. I just wonder, so what do you do? Like, what is the, if you're not out teaching or you're not out doing whatever you would do uh, to represent God or whatever, what do you do inside? Do you help each other? Do you, is it just more of a personal thing where you're just worshiping God and you know, you just have a personal relationship and everybody kind of walks around silently. I mean, I, I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, so the community that I entered was actually an active community and their apostolate was offering retreats and and they had a bookstore and things like that. So it was, it was kind of weird in the sense that it was like the best of both worlds, or it was kind of like between both worlds where most of the sisters stayed in the convent because people came to our convent for the retreat, but it was still an active apostolate. So it wasn't quite cloistered and it wasn't quite as active as some of the other sister, other communities of sisters. So it was kind of like between both of them. Um, When it comes to like cloistered nuns, they really don't have an active apostolate like teaching or things like that. They do support the monastery in other ways, though. Like sometimes they'll make baked goods that they'll sell or, you know, they'll make church vestments for priests or they'll make certain things with their own hands that they'll sell. And that's kind of how they support themselves or a big way of how they support themselves. But also for them... And at least like in the Catholic Church, their apostolate, so to speak, their job, so to speak, is to pray these cloistered nuns. That's their job. And so for, I mean, they consider that to be the most important job. You know, their whole life is a sacrifice and, you know, the days are filled with prayer and they offer those prayers for everybody. 
So anybody who wants prayers, you know, they'll contact the nuns and they will absolutely pray. Nice. You know, their their main focus is on that prayer. Gotcha. And they spend hours in prayer a day. Wow. Like they, they really, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty hardcore. <laughs> well, you know, when I was watching your videos, one thing that really surprised me, you guys have to come in with a dowry, correct? Mm-hmm. Wow. That is right. Yeah. Um, the dowry is the purpose. I mean, when people hear dowry, they think of like, you know, medieval times when, (laughs) you know, the father had to give like, you know, pigs or cows, you know, in exchange for (laughs) the marriage, you know, (laughs) so, but that, that concept, you know, was kept with religious communities. But the purpose nowadays is that if the sister later leaves the convent, that is something that she can take with her to kind of help her, you know, get her situated again out in the world. Um, But if she makes final vows and, you know, stays in the community, then that money will go towards supporting the community. So it's kind of meant to be like a safeguard that way if the sister enters, you know, she later leaves or gets kicked out or whatever. She's not just, you know, oh, well, sorry, you got nothing. She at least has a little something to fall back on. Well, it's actually really thoughtful. It's a very thoughtful way of looking at it. And because I know you didn't get your habit until like a year in, correct? That's exactly right. Yep. Yep. The first year is called the postulancy. And that's kind of when, you know, uh, the, the very beginning stages, a lot of postulants actually don't end up staying. That's kind of like the very beginning entrance period where, you know, you live the life in person and right. figure out pretty quickly whether it's, you know, the life for you or not. Right. You know, so, but that's when, at least for us, we were called by our legal names. So I was, for that first year, just Sister Carrie. Okay. And um, I wore like a little uniform that a lot of people, when I was out in public, they mistook it for were, like, a really Catholic young. school uniform. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they thought I was just a Catholic school girl. I was like, oh, no, wait. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah. And you were there for like five years from like 2003 to 2008. So I remember in one, some of your other videos, you were like, I totally missed a pop culture generation. Yeah. And, exactly. uh, yeah. <laughs> you were like, yeah. I, some of the things that were said, I can't remember what they were. They totally didn't mean what you thought they meant. It was just so funny how you pretty much just disassociated with the world completely. You lost five years of just what happened in the world, right? Right. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Wow. Then were you able to watch the news or was it just the football games and stuff every now and then, <laughs> like the Super Bowls and well, stuff? We were allowed to watch the news if there was like a major current event going on. Okay. I can't really remember any examples of something that happened during that time. Like, I mean, a, a local, a, a smaller example is like if there were tornado warnings, you know, they would okay. go down in the basement and turn on the news and we, you know, we'd be watching to, to see what was going on with that. Well, you were but in other the major South, current right? events that were going on, <laughs> yeah. you know, we could watch for that. But, um, and as I had mentioned in some of my other videos, the sisters did watch the Super Bowl. I mean, you were allowed yeah. to, you didn't have to, but you were allowed to. And that was always um, was a lot of fun. I mean, some of those sisters were major sports fans. And it, it just was so funny to see how, you know, they were so meek and mild outside of that. But when it came to football, they just, oh, my goodness. They just, they it was, it was well, really funny. To, well, they've got all that pent up um, silent energy because they're for, you know, for hours in the day. Yeah, you really, yeah, you don't really talk a whole lot. Exactly. And and so you would have, you're allowed certain times during the day to kind of relax and play games or whatever you guys do. Right. So thank goodness it wasn't The Bachelor, right? <laughs> I know. You know, it's so funny with like shows like that. When I came out of the convent, 
it was so disorienting yeah. to realize that like, oh my gosh, like, wow. <laughs> uh, the, uh, what is it? Reality TV really went, you know, <laughs> really took off. Reality you know, TV has kinda, not think, gotten think, cleaner. Let's be honest. It's gotten really crazy. I mean, when, yeah. when the bachelor yeah. first started, so yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just, you know, going, woo. It, it, so. It's funny because when the bachelor first started, it was actually really sweet and lovely, you know, and they, and they did it really kind of kindly to, it was just a nice show. You know, you didn't feel like you needed to, take a shower and <laughs> you know what I mean yeah oh yeah no it's just it's just yeah really funny how how the reality tv has really changed oh this way because I think when I was right before I entered I think Survivor was like pretty new oh I don't remember yeah. exactly when it started but it, I, I know I saw at least one season and so um you know reality tv was when I entered the con or before I entered the convent it was still pretty new I mean American Idol I think was still pretty new by that oh, yeah. point, and I can it might imagine have been the first season. I, you know, I have to, I have to go back and look. But so reality TV, you know, was not was kind of brand new. And then I entered the convent, and came out, and it was like, oh my gosh! Yeah, you come out of the convent, and you're watching That's naked, naked and afraid. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Okay, so one thing that I know my listeners are going to want to know: your actual room, bedroom, was not called a bedroom; it was called a cell. And you had your own bathroom. I think that's awesome that your uh, your mother superior decided to do that. But but also you guys had this communal room where you have your soaps and shampoos and deodorants and all those things. Tell me a little bit how that worked. Well, because the sisters take a vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Okay. Um, part of the vow of poverty and obedience is you know asking permission for those items. You know, whatever you need, you know, you ask your superior permission for. Okay. And that, that, you know, that came to, you know, like if I needed a new pair of underwear or something, I would ask my superior. Now, you know, they never said no, right. <laughs> but it was just that was part of, you know, living that vow. When it came to like toiletries, there was like a room that had, you know, soaps, shampoos, things like that. Mm -hmm. And we could take from that room, you know, what we, we had general permission to take, you know, what we needed from that. If there was something that we needed that wasn't there, we did have to ask extra permission for that. Okay. So, but in general, like the toiletries, it was kind of like that room was just set aside where, you know, you had blanket permission to go there and get what, what you needed. But if you needed something else, you were, you know, to ask permission for that. Yeah. But it also humbles you, I think. And that's the whole purpose of doing this and, and going into this lifestyle. Now, tell me the difference. Now, you're Eastern, what's it called? Byzantine? Eastern Catholic. Eastern Catholic, um, Byzantine Rite. Okay. Um, that's kind of a whole story on its own. Yeah. Um, my convent was a Roman Catholic convent. And I grew up Roman Catholic. So, you know, I didn't know anything different than that. I, it wasn't until long after I had left and my husband and I got married, we started doing some research into our ancestry. And I realized that according to our ancestry, canonically speaking, my husband and I are supposed to be Eastern Catholics. Oh, Byzantine. wow. Oh, okay. And okay. that's basically Eastern Catholics are like, if you know, <laughs> I'm going back into all the church history here. No, you're fine. You know, you had the Catholic Church, and then in the year 1054, there was the Great Schism, okay. and it split, you know, the Eastern Orthodox on one side and then the Roman Catholics on the other. Okay. And so that, you know, ever since then, the East and West were separated. Well, at certain points in history, some of those Orthodox churches, either, you know, the bishops or, you know, the churches themselves, decided to re-enter communion with Rome. And so those became the Eastern Catholic churches. So they have the same customs and traditions as the Eastern Orthodox, except they're now in communion with Rome. Okay. 
So they're just as Catholic as the Roman Catholics, but we have a lot of traditions and customs that are very different from what most Roman Catholics are used to. Gotcha. Okay. It, it's just really more of a, a difference in, in Protestants and what they all do, because they all have one center God, just like you guys do. You know, you all, we are, we're all Christians. <laughs> yeah, but really complicated yeah. trying to describe all the differences. And, 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 and but it's just, you just have a different style. You just have a different way of, of worshiping or whatever. So yeah. style, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. basically what it, what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have to go dark a little bit because I got to ask, okay? Because you're Catholic and I got to ask, did you ever encounter anyone about like an exorcism or was anything, what were the rules around that? Did you, did you have to study that? What, what were, the, I don't even know what to ask. I didn't, but you know what? That's a really good question. So we didn't study any of that ourselves. Okay. We did know a priest who was a very good friend of our community. He knew a lot more about that. He was actually, I don't know if you know, there is a book, I think it's called like The Exorcist Tells His Story, and it's Father Gabriel Amorth. And I believe that the movie The Exorcist is actually based on his stories. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think that's true. Okay. But so he was like the real deal. He was an exorcist for Rome. Right. So this priest that we knew had worked with him for a time. So he knew him personally, and he knew some of these stories, and he knew so many stories that he would encounter because, I mean, he traveled, this priest traveled all over the world, basically. He was in Rome for a while and lived in Canada. You know, he was very well traveled, so he's seen a lot. And so he would tell us, you know, some of the stories and things that he experienced or that he heard directly from people like Father Amorth. So, so Carrie, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, do you think that that's a real thing? I mean, some people don't think it is, some people do. I, uh, and we'll get into how you feel about it, because I know, I know you're no longer a nun. So what, what are your thoughts on it even just now? Like with the exorcism yeah. things and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly, I do. I do believe in it. I really do. I mean, I think there are some stories that are probably embellishments. I think there are sometimes people might, you know, make things up. But I do believe that some of those stories and situations are genuine. I mean, the the, the priest that we knew, he was a really genuine, humble guy. And, right. you know, I, I trust his Absolutely. his stories. Yeah. yeah. But one of the things that we did deal with, although it wasn't like the demonic necessarily, when I entered the convent, people think I'm absolutely crazy, but it's the truth. I mean, this is what the sisters would say. Okay. You know, cause we had our, our cells. cells yes. I remember this. Big, yes. Yeah. There were these big, <laughs> heavy mahogany doors. Yeah. And one of the sisters was like, Oh, you know, just, just be aware that sometimes, you know, the souls in purgatory, you know, AKA ghosts will knock on your door at night to ask for prayers. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> like, I thought, I mean, that was just seemed crazy. Like, yeah. oh, really? So, you know, she said that to us and then, you know, days, weeks, whatever went by. And I remember I was getting ready for bed one night and I heard a loud knock on my door. And so I went to go open immediately because I was basically right there and no one was in the hallway. And people were like, oh, it was a sister, you know, playing a joke on you. I wish I could describe these hallways to people to get them to realize the the space between ourselves was a long way and there was no place for someone to hide in the in the you time that I opened them. that door like yeah. there was no one there yeah you would have so, seen them um, for sure yeah I was yeah. terrified oh my gosh I was so terrified yeah. so I said okay okay you know I will pray for you every single day <laughs> just yeah. do not knock on my door and then I never got a knock again so <laughs> you know that is so funny because you know wow and it never happened again and but they warned you and it did happen that is crazy and you you were right 
right there. You know what happened. And you had that really thick wood door. You know a knock from just a scratch or just a, oh, a creaking from something. Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was definitely like a, a very substantial knock. It wasn't just a creak or something like that. I mean, it was it was definitely a, a very unique experience that I did not expect yeah. to have. So, I mean, yeah. that was... That would scare the crap out of me. I'm not going to lie. But um, so so let's go on. So now you've been there, I think, like you said, five years. And you had been toiling back and forth with, you know, I don't know if this is exactly what I want to do. So tell me about leaving. And then tell me what happened after that. Um, You know, I knew pretty much after the first year that I wasn't well suited to the life. Okay. And most people do not stay five years if they're unsure of their vocation. But I, I'm stubborn and I wanted to give my life to God. Sure. And I thought, you know, it's it's a problem with me. I have to change. I have to, you know, if I'm just do it better, then I'll be fine. Right. But I wasn't fine. And I just got more and more miserable and just absolutely miserable. And finally, I just all came to a head. And I was like, I, I have to leave. I, I have to leave. Right. So I sat down with the superior and I basically just told her that I said, I, I just I feel like I have a calling out in the world now. You know, I, I really don't feel like I'm meant to be here. And of course, you know, they were disappointed. And, you know, I, I know it was hard on some people, um, especially after you're there for so long. I mean, five years is a long time to be with, you know, Absolutely. in a convent. Yeah. And, you know, I, I called my mom. and I was like, I'm I need to leave. And my mom, she was pretty devastated when I had entered the convent originally. We were very close. And, you know, the community that I was in did not have home visits. So I never got to go home. The only time I ever saw them was twice a year. And that was really, really hard. I mean, it was hard on her. It was hard on me, too. Well, so isolated. You're so isolated, though. You know, that's the thing. And when you're isolated like that and you don't, I mean, yes, you have social encounters with the people you're with. But but it's and I think you said there was like 16 plus sister or nuns there. And that's a lot of ladies one place, too. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And it was really hard. And, you know, I wanted to reiterate that, you know, not every community is like that. Most active communities do have home visits where like the sister will go home for a week or two, you know, once or twice a year. You know, so most communities are, you know, more lenient when it comes to sisters having contact with their family. I I don't actually know why the community decided to do it the way they did. I mean, if if I were making the decisions, I I would not make that decision. I I would let the sisters go home. But, you know, I wasn't the one making the decision. that may have changed your mind too, had you been able to go home and, and have those yeah, visits. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's true. That yeah. is true. I mean, maybe that, maybe that was part of the, the reasoning, sure. but um, anyway, so my mom, when she heard that, I was like, Hey, it can, is there any time that you can come pick me up? I want to come home. She was thrilled. Oh. And she, she was absolutely thrilled. She basically dropped everything, drove like 14 hours to come pick me up wow. two days after I called her. So, I mean, she was just absolutely my rock. Well, she's getting her daughter back, though, Carrie. You know, she's getting you back. Right, right, right. So, yeah, so I called my mom and, you know, the whole trip when I went to go meet her at the hotel, I mean, that was a whole story in itself about, you know, because the sisters in my community did not allow the sisters leaving to say goodbye. And that, in my opinion, was very unfortunate because you're living with these sisters for however long you're there for. Yeah, you, and you love don't them by then. And yeah. I just don't think oh. that that is a good approach no. at all whatsoever. No. So I was sad to not be able to yeah. say goodbye to them. Sure. So they they were occupied with something else while me and the one sister that I worked closely with, you know, went off to the hotel. And that's when I met up with my mom. And it was it was really 
it was such a relief to see her. I was so happy, but there were so many emotions and I just kind of burst out crying when I was there. And my mom at that moment, she's like, Oh no, she's going to say she wants to stay and she doesn't want to go home. (laughs) But no, I was just, I was just emotional. I have so much to go through and I was still pretty young at the time. And yeah, but then I went up to my mom's room and I took off my habit in the bathroom and then gave the habit back to sister through a crack in the door and oh then gosh. sister left and I was there with my mom. I mean, and, Carrie, you um, were only 23 when you left. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. And it, it was just so funny because like my mom, I, I told my mom on the phone when I talked to her, I was like, just bring some modest clothes for me because I didn't even have any clothes to change into. Yeah. I had nothing. Yeah. You know, I had a few books, you know, and, and basically that was it. And so she she brought me these clothes and it was so funny because, you know, the, the habit, you know, I wear a veil on my head and the habit, you know, goes you know, on your neck, very little of skin is shown. And so when I put on these clothes, it just felt so awkward, (laughs) even though they were like really, really modest clothes. I still felt so awkward in them. It, it took me a little while to get used to that. Yeah, but well, um, and you yeah. indoctrinated into that world, which of course you would have been for five years, and you left. You left a lot of people you loved, so I can imagine how devastating it really was to your heart. I mean, let's be honest, and and I don't know if you can even contact them now, or if you are still in contact with some of the women there. I don't even know if that even is a thing. So yeah, it is. It is. I, I'm. I've still. I mean, there. There was no bad blood. Oh, right. right you know, right. Um, like I've mentioned, you know, there are things that, I mean, it, it's hard to describe because I had good experiences in the convent and I'm grateful for them, but there were, there were some bad experiences sure. and, you know, it's kind of hard to like parse out that difference. You know, a lot of people have, you know, black and white thinking where it has to be all good or it has to be all bad. And for me that, you know, it's shades of gray more, Absolutely. you know, there, there were some good things, there were some bad things and it was a mix of both. Um, So there wasn't any bad blood when I left, but it it was awkward. And so it's not like, you know, I called them up like, you know, old buddies or anything like that. But I have had contact with them since um, since I left. But it's more for like, you know, Christmas cards or, you know, things like that. Like when I was pregnant, I would call or write to them and let them know. And then they said that they would pray for, you know, me and my baby and things like that. But it wasn't like frequent contact. And honestly, I, I haven't been in contact for a while at this point. Oh, really? um, not, yeah. you know, not for any bad reasons or anything. But you know, it's just there's really no reason to, to be in contact. Well, well, Carrie, let's let's call a spade a spade. You got six kids now. So <laughs> and you got married really quickly after you left. I mean, what, I think it was was it within a year you were married? Yeah, it, it yeah. well, not within a year that I left, but okay. within a year of meeting my husband. So right. yeah, and I realized <laughs> I, cause my, it's so funny because my husband's like, you know, we have to lie to our kids. <laughs> we can't tell them how quickly we got married. Cause I don't want them to do the same thing oh, right. for, us, <laughs> yeah, for yeah. us. It worked out really well, sure. but for most people it might not, you know? Right, right. So yeah, we just, we got really lucky, you know, that, that it worked out so well with us. It was shortly after I left, you know, I had just, I think I had just gotten a new job. Mm-hmm. I, you know, was trying to get my life in order and I was feeling really, really down about myself and just, you know, all my friends had their careers or they were getting married or that, you know, they were moving on with their lives right, and I yeah. felt so far I behind. Imagine. It was very confusing And so my mom time. was trying to cheer me up yeah, sure. and she 
was like, let's just look at some of these dating websites. You know, oh, let's just, just for a laugh. how you met see, him? You know. That is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it, and the, the funny thing was, it was so fun. You know, we sat, I mean, I, online dating is a lot different today than it was when right. I left the convent. You know, it's oh, really yeah. changed in, in those years. But yeah. back then, you know, you could look at some people's profiles and, you know, just see what they were about. And, you know, my mom and I just had such a fun time, you know, laughing and joking about it. And it really, really cheered me up, except when I saw someone that I thought I might be interested in. <laughs> and that's when it stopped being a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and so my mom actually bought me a subscription. It was a Catholic dating website. Okay. So okay, okay, she okay. bought me a subscription. Okay. And funnily enough, the person that I said, oh, you know, I might be interested in that person. That is my husband. Uh, no joke. That is my wow. husband. I, I didn't contact him. He contacted me first. It was a what? couple days later. But Are yeah. Are serious? Yeah. Yes, I know people do not believe me, but until, I promise you that is the truth. Oh, he was I the one that I you. that I saw. I was like, you know, I think I might be interested in him, and then he was the one who contacted me. So I mean, come on, yeah. Carrie, that was meant to be. Let's be honest. It, it absolutely on. was yeah. meant to be. I truly yeah. believe it was meant to be. It really, really was. So we, you know, we talked on the phone for a while, and then we met in person. And from our first date, we didn't miss a single weekend together Aww. until our wedding. He was about two hours away. So it was okay. sort of long distance, like sort of, but not quite, right. you know, close enough that, you know, we got to see each other often, but far enough that it, it was a, it was a deal to travel out to him sure. or him to travel to me. I mean, we kind of exchanged weekends like that. Yeah. And you know, you'd never really dated before then because you were always set on going into the convent, right? I know. And you know what? Isn't that crazy? It, it's true. Yeah. It's so funny because looking back at like how things, you know, came together, I know so many people were like, wow, you're really rushing into this. And I do <laughs> not blame them at all because I sure it looked terrible. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, she's just rushing right into, you know, the first no, guy who comes I, along. Well, I, you know, it what? just happened I, I to don't work know. out that way. I, I think when you know, you know, though, Carrie. I mean, That's exactly it. Because you know? like the first, our first date, we went to go see a movie. It was Twilight, actually. Twilight. <laughs> that, was, that was the weekend that Twilight <laughs> was coming out, I think. So that was our first, that was our first date movie. But we had such a great time that he was yeah. like, you know what, let's get together, you know, tomorrow. So he got a hotel and Aww. we went out on that Saturday and we had so much fun. We went to the state library oh, and wow. sat in a corner of the library and just talked for hours together Aww. about everything. And it was like I had known him my whole life. Well, you know, yeah. we just and he it, it just was an amazing time. And uh, his parents knew it was something special when he stayed that that weekend, you know, he, because he, he didn't normally do that unless right. it was something serious, you know. So it, it was just a really wonderful weekend. And, and we knew very quickly that, you know, this was we, we wanted to be with each other. Oh, I just see that. But that just warms my heart to know because you got a you got an HEA uh, that in the writing world, because I write paranormal romance novels, too. That's a happily ever after. And that's yes. what you got. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And it's so funny now that I'm like married and I have my children, I can't even believe that I thought I was supposed to be a nun. You know, like I love being a wife. I love being a mom. Like this is what I was meant to do. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for the time that I spent in the convent, but I'm really, really glad that I'm not there anymore. Well, you know what? And let me tell you something, Carrie, had you not gone into the convent, I don't think you would have been ready for him. I don't think you would have recognized the person you have. And I truly believe that too. And that, that's kind of the way he feels about it too, is that, you know, that, that was the perfect timing, right? you know, right. that we wouldn't have met each other. Otherwise, no, we truly wouldn't have met each other. Otherwise. So, right. yeah. 
And I'm all about meant to be stuff. I'm telling you, there's a, there's the universe was working. God was working. Everybody was working in your favor. And that's all, (laughs) that's, that's all you can ever ask for. Yeah. So are you going to have any more children? What's going to happen now in the future for you? Well, it's so funny because one of our first dates, it was like our third date. We were talking about, you know, what we want and things like that. And, you know, I said, I would love to have at least six kids. And he wasn't quite (laughs) thinking that much. He was like, oh, okay. (laughs) But it's so funny because it's like I my last pregnancy was twins. So we thought, you know, we would try for one more after we had our four, our first four. We thought, okay, let's try for one more. And it ended up being twins. So it's perfect. It's like, oh, I got my I got my at least six, you know, so yeah, that that worked out. I'm so glad that worked out so well. And we're not necessarily planning on having any more kids. The only thing is that I pretty much have a perpetual case of baby fever. (laughs) So I would love, I wish I could have a million babies, but I know, you know, obviously that can't happen. But, you know, if we were to maybe, you know, have some more kids, I would be totally thrilled about that. We're not planning on it right now, but you know, who knows what the future holds. So we're leaving that open. (laughs) Sure. Now you homeschool your kids, correct? I do. Yes, I do. Do you teach your kids the same kind of Catholicism, you know, that you were brought up with or, or, or are you are you sticking with the newer, is it called Byzantine? Byzantine, Byzantine. Okay. So I want the kids to be familiar with Roman Catholicism because that is part of their heritage sure. too. But we do focus more on our Byzantine Catholic faith, just kind of like the like we said earlier, like the style of Catholicism right. that Byzantine right. Catholicism is. So we kind of focus more on that okay. um, when I'm teaching my kids. And it just really is, um, I don't know, my husband and I grew up in very different households. His household was much more strict, oh, wow. whereas mine was, like I had mentioned, you know, my, my parents weren't weren't like super devout in that sense. So we have found, at least for us, that the Eastern Catholicism, the Byzantine Catholicism, it fits our spirituality sure. so well. Sure. It's very um, just reasonable and merciful and focuses on like the mystery of our faith where, you know, you can't know every single thing and it just really fits us and our family so well. Right. So we do focus more on that aspect of yeah, Catholicism. And, and, that's, and that's why I was like, when I started uh, talking to you before we started recording, I was like, now I have a podcast that talks about paranormal stuff too. And you're like, I love paranormal. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> I never yeah, would have thought. <laughs> like, I, I will say this though, you know, because a lot of people, I find a lot of Catholics are like, oh no, I don't believe in ghosts. Or, it's like, I, in the convent, in the convent, yeah. there was a book about ghosts written by a Jesuit priest, like an old book on ghosts. And his whole idea about it was that, you know, there are souls in purgatory that for some, you know, mystery that we don't know, right. God allows them to roam the earth and ask for prayers. So like, it can fit <laughs> within Catholicism. Right. It's like, yeah, I believe in ghosts. Well, you sure. know what? None of us know all the answers. I mean, everybody has their own way of looking at it. I mean, I, I, I don't even know what's right or what's wrong or anything. But I do talk to people about who have had near-death experiences and, and talk to me about what, what happened when they died. And I talk to people that, that read tarot cards and some people think that's evil and I'm like no I just want to know what they do and how why do you like them and what can you predict and is that a bad thing is it a good thing I don't know but my intention is never to go into it with evil intent my intention is to just just to know it's just to open that box of 
I, I can get out of this box and, and, and believe my way and my way is the highway. Or I can go, okay, wait a minute. Why do you think that? That's really what this yeah. is all about. Yeah, anyway, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I have asked you so many questions and I tell you, you have been so wonderful to talk to me and give me your time because I probably could have asked so many more questions, but when you were telling me your story, you answered quite a few of them. So I am just so, I, I, I'm just so happy I came across your page, of course, on TikTok. I really appreciate it. And I'm really glad to be like, I mean, as you can see, I I love talking about it. So that's why TikTok has been such a great platform for me. Because, you know, when I first found out that people were interested in and hearing what I had to say about it. It's like, oh, this is great because no one around me really talks much about it. Like, you know, most people feel like they, they can't really ask, you know, like some right. of my friends and family members are like, can I really ask you? But they're afraid to ask me. But so that's why, you know, it's nice that people on TikTok ask me these questions Absolutely. and stuff because I love talking about it. So. Yeah, and, you're, and you're really good at it because you you explain it in a way everyone can understand and you're very approachable. And that's the only reason I approached you because I thought, you know, yeah, you know, cool. you know, I, I want to, you know, try and be approachable. Like I, I truly believe that even people who disagree with me or, you know, sure. about whatever, I would lo- I would love to still be able to sit down and have a cup of coffee with them. You know, like oh, I, I love to just yes, talk to yes. people and learn from people from all different backgrounds, you that's know, basically so. my podcast. That's literally, yeah, exactly. My, yeah, you know, exactly. And, and so that's why it's so interesting for me to just, I, I interview people who interest me, you fascinated me. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to get her on my podcast. You said yes. And I was so happy. It's really fun to chat about this oh, stuff. It really is. Well, I'm so thrilled. And you're going to be my next episode actually because I had one planned before you and I'm going to pop you in this coming Monday oh awesome thank you oh that's great awesome yeah well you're welcome and the other one was just a Christmas one and I think it needs to be closer to Christmas so uh this would this works out great makes sense (laughs) so anyway Carrie I I really appreciate you joining me today and um I may have to have you back on if my listeners love you there's other people that my listeners want me to have on and I'm like all right I'll get her back so if they have questions I'll let you know just let me know I really would it's been great talking to you so thank you very much you're welcome thank you Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.